Welcome to episode 20 of Mansi, a podcast about magic and its influence on our culture. In each episode, we cover a different Mansi or method of magic. I'm R.J. Walker. I'm a spoken word artist and writer. With me is my co-host, L. I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and a solitary eclectic witch. I'm emoting with my body more because I think it helps my performance. And L is just like, "What are you doing?" Um. Well, he just did like the geek like side punch to both sides. Oh, I was doing my Ginyu Force poses. Yeah, the geek punch. Okay. Um. <laughs> Dreams. What the fuck even are those, right? <laughs> well, that depends. Are we talking about, like, goals and ambitions or, like... All kinds of dreams. Yeah, what the fuck are goals and ambitions, though, what right? The, what the fuck even is, like, a dream? <laughs> like, do millennials have those? Not while Trump was president, no. but maybe now. <laughs> no, I mean, do millennials dream of electric sheep? Um, <laughs> dreams have been associated with magic from the earliest moments of recorded history. People have been having prophetic dreams which help guide them or accursed nightmares which haunt them. Today, we know what dreams are. They are the stories our brains tell us while we sleep. That's literally what it said on the science website I was reading. Yeah. We know that we know what dreams are. They're stories our brains tell us at night. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Is I not wrong. <laughs> this this aligns with what I currently know about dreams <laughs> after repeated observation. Um but uh, we don't exactly know why we dream. We dream most vividly during a REM cycle, and REM is an acronym for rapid eye movement. It is when our brains are most active while we sleep, resulting in movement in our eyes. Scientists believe that we actually dream around four to six times per night. Mm -hmm. So while you may remember a dream, uh, you've probably had others in that same night that you don't remember. And like I said, we don't know exactly why we dream. Elle, why do you think we dream? Um, well, I think like if we looked at it from maybe a psychological standpoint, basically it's like processing things that you're maybe unable to process uh, while you're awake. So that's why they like play out some different crazy scenarios. It can be like battling with your own fears. It can be battling with trying to reach some sort of resolution with people, just your brain kind of processing stuff. And sometimes if you're me, you just dream about all the showers that you want to take showers in because that's what <laughs> I dream about all the time. <laughs> uh, Elle has reoccurring dreams of opulent bathrooms. Like really, really beautiful bathrooms. I had a dream <laughs> last night that in our RV that we purchased, there were three different bathrooms. There was like one in the basement of the RV that was dope. So maybe <laughs> I'm just dreaming about all the showers I want to take. Um, so many psychologists and scientists and experts have – you know, several theories, and many experts believe that dreams help us solve the problems we face in our waking lives. It helps us clear our minds and find solutions. They also believe that dreams help us store and, and interpret memories. Also, dreams may help us process emotions and handle stressors. Wow, that's what I just said. I know. Do I get my psychology degree now? Um, well... Didn't you – were you going to go for a psychology degree at some point? Were you thinking about it? I debate getting a psychology degree like at least five times a year. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realize how much I hate an institutional education and I haven't gotten it. So, mm. you know. 
Um, personally, uh, I'm going to agree with them on that theory and your theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that like – and here's my personal anecdote. Um, I know that when I've been playing video games, like really hard ones, like having a really difficult time. Like I could lose in a boss fight 30 times in a row and then get frustrated, go to bed, and then wake up in the morning and beat the boss on the first try. Um, Do you I, think it's like problem solving? I, I think – like there's a couple there's a couple of issues if this were a scientific experiment and it would be cool to conduct this is mm-hmm. like study the dreams of gamers to see if their game improves uh, after yeah. after they have dreams. It could be that I'm just like tired. Like I'm playing video games to the yeah, wee hours and, and have, I'm just tired and yeah. my motor function isn't isn't properly uh, working. <laughs> but there are definitely times where like, you know, I'll get stuck in the middle of the day, wake up in the morning and then beat it first try. Um, so that might be, that might be interesting to study about if you're going in for a psychology thesis and you want to talk about oneurology, which is the scientific study of dreams. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, um, I think that like dreams, prophetic dreams, astral projection, and like really vivid dreams where you're able to connect and talk to people are all different things that all take place during sleep. So like Dreams in and of themselves, I think, are just processing, but all the rest of the stuff is more magical. Anyway, mm-hmm. I also probably wouldn't be the best researched subject for this. Yeah. Like, I've been part of several sleep studies, but that's only because I have a pretty significant sleep disorder. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I didn't sleep for two weeks straight, and it absolutely damaged my memory and created significant gaps. Like, entire swaths of my childhood have been erased. Mm-hmm. I don't know who my second grade teacher was or anything from second grade. I guess I know how to read, so I retain that. Um, I don't have a lot of stuff from my childhood either. I don't know why. I just don't. Um, and, uh, well, if I don't have restful sleep, my mental illness gets significantly worse. And when I say significantly worse, I mean absolute psychosis. Uh, I will start hallucinating, doing crazy things. When I was in that period on my mission for not sleeping two weeks straight, I would do crazy shit, like put my shoes in the freezer. And I would like track backwards and be like, glad I put my shoes in the freezer. This was all according to my <laughs> companion. Yeah, because you don't remember this period. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he he would say that people would tell me to go away. And then I would say... It re- I, and I would just, like, not take no for an answer. To go away what? People were like, just go away, RJ? Like, I, like, well, I'd knock on the door and they'd be like, not interested, go away. And I'd be like, well, hold oh, on a minute. because – so the thing we might be missing is that this happened to RJ when he was on his Mormon yeah, mission. Yeah, this is on my Mormon mission. And so his companion was his mission companion. And so he was knocking on doors and people would just say, go away. See, I didn't get that. And I know oh. the backstory, so I wanted to share the backstory oh. for the people who didn't Thanks. know. <laughs> sorry, sorry if that wasn't clear. Also, one day we're going to talk about my companion, Elder Hernandez, the former gang member. Um, who Someday. <laughs> who got s- stabbed a bunch and accepted Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you know what? That might have been okay for him. <laughs> you know, it, I think it did improve <laughs> yeah, his life. life. He wasn't even like a super loyal gang member. He was like a mercenary they would hire for street fights. Um, <laughs> like Elder Hernandez was a wild individual. Wow. Okay. So you, you would knock on the door. People would tell you to go away. Yeah. And I'd be like, No. And then they'd be like, seriously, go away. I'll fucking kill you. And I'd be like, 
No. <laughs> They're hardcore and in Texas. Literally, literally, my companion said that he had to drag me off of some porches. Was um, he not, like, really concerned about your health? Uh, he was absolutely concerned about my health. And you know what he did? Prayed for me. Um, Killed it. <laughs> absolutely saved some major issues from happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, that didn't work. Didn't sleep for two weeks. Fell down. Had a seizure. Hit my head. Now I have permanent brain damage. Can't recognize faces. Um, became homeless. It's like a whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like a whole nightmare situation. And um, one of the most – the things I'm bitter the most about is that I literally signed over a waiver giving my bicycle to the church. Like I didn't realize that I would never get my bicycle back. Yeah, RJ lost a bicycle and his water pick in the divorce from the church. If I mean, also like housing and stability, everything. Yeah. yeah um, but if you are in Lubbock, Texas, and you see a yellow bike with flames with spiky metal pedals, wow, um, and jelly grips, and specifically a gel seat with an indent. Right over the taint. It's mine. I will buy it from you. It's my favorite bike. Anyway. Um, wow. You just said taint like in the first 10 minutes of this episode, didn't you? I did. You just did that. I did. Okay. All right. We're, uh, we're good. It is, it is pretty clear that sleep is tied to our health, like in significant ways. But we don't quite know what role dreams play in our health. Mm-hmm. But if it is true... And our dreams assist us in dealing with our waking lives, then perhaps dreams could possibly be prophetic in some sense, perhaps more of a guiding force, uh, which is the role of divination in magic mostly is to help offer a guiding force. Mm -hmm. Yes. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, Dream interpretation has been around for a long, long time. Time. Like a lot of times when I say this is some of the oldest divination, I'm usually like ancient Greece days, like 500 BC. Yeah. Yeah. This is further than that. Well, even animals have dreams. Everything does. Yeah. Yeah. And dream interpreters obviously still exist today. People keep dream journals as a way to interpret their own dreams. A 2009 study from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology found that dreams can be more influential than our waking thoughts or uh, evidence we find when we're awake. Mm-hmm. They found that people were more likely to cancel a flight if they had a dream about a plane crash than if they received an actual warning from the Department of Homeland Security about a potential threat on a plane. Which I straight up. Do not understand. Probably if I had a dream about a plane crash the night before, I would cancel my ticket. For sure, if the, home, if the Department of Homeland Security was like, there's been a threat for your plane, I'd be like, cool, I'm not getting on that. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, well, I think that they would say a threat for your airport, but not necessarily your plane. Oh, okay. Well, the airport still, though. Yeah, it's like one of these planes could be in danger. And Probably it, wouldn't and fly it could that be day. years. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't fly that day. Right. But they found that there were there was a greater response from people who had a dream about it than the people hmm. who had the warning. They'd be like, oh, I'll chance it. But people who had a dream about it were like, it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> well, it's because people inherently mistrust our government for so, so many reasons. So that's <laughs> yeah. a huge part of it. Yeah. One of these days we'll talk about uh, how – anti-vaxxers started around Salem witch trial times. Um, But we'll do that another another episode. Um, 
the kind of uh, influence that dreams cause for us is called motivated reasoning. It's a fallacy. It's the tendency to believe in the outcomes we desire rather than conclusions that we don't want to happen. It's similar to con- confirmation bias, but a little different. Confirmation bias is when we want to believe things that confirm existing beliefs versus uh, motivated reasoning is we want to believe only in good things and not in bad things. Okay. Um, and of course, rejecting evidence that challenges existing beliefs is a huge part of confirmation bias and it's uh, part of the reason America's in the predicament so we're in today. This is like probably a good 20% of my clients that are like, I've just decided that because you said I'm not going to be in love with this person that I'm obsessed with, that you're just not a real psychic. Mm-hmm. That so is unfortunate. That is, um, I mean, it could be either motivated reasoning or confirmation bias, um, but it's probably motivated reasoning. I feel like it's motivated reasoning, which is why people hire psychics because anyone can get a deck of tarot cards and like basically do eh, probably can't do the same reading that I would do, but do the same reading as a lot of people would do. And then because you want everything to be a certain way or you want to hear certain things, like this is why I don't read for myself because I was, I'm like invested in the outcome. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can like make it, you can make the outcome of the reading. Yeah. Because you just want it to be something specific. So that's why you hire psychics. And uh, that's why one might want to have their dreams interpreted by an oneromancer yeah. uh, rather than just using their own dream journal. And in more mod- modern times, we just call them dream interpreters. Yeah. <laughs> like like uh, if you saw a big sign that said oneromancer. I would like, probably go, street, but I'd be like, who I, are you? I would check it out. I would think it was an art project. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oneromancers um, do, ju- do more than just interpret dreams. They have prophetic dreams themselves, can have dreams for people, uh, and can project themselves into the dreams of others. I believe I failed at all of these tests this week. I mean, you sort of projected yourself into my dream, but it was weird. We'll talk about it when we go over the reading. I, I, like, recorded... Like I'm the so weird dreams. excited for you guys to hear the recordings RJ made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is an entire culture surrounding dreams, interpreting them, having them, and controlling them. And we're going to be talking about all of this quite a bit. And there is so much to talk about with dreams and dream magic. Just like with magic and music, there's way too much. Magic and dreams could be its own entire podcast. Yeah. But but we're just going to be licking the tip of the popsicle here. Why? Why are you just <laughs> – RJ told me that he had a very uh, vivid graphic sex dream and I think he's just on it today. I think it was more I was about to have a vivid graphic sex dream <laughs> and I was like this might get way out of hand and I put it on pause. Got to back off And I this. literally just left all those women there. Um <laughs> Uh, in my lucid dream, I just left them there, and I hope they're I'm doing sure okay. They're fine. I'm sure they've untied each other and have moved on by now. It's fine. We're going to talk way more about that in part two, actually. Um, but uh, Elle and I are going to be, well, we did. Uh, we did. Uh, when I wrote this, it, it was future tense, but yeah. now it is past tense. We took an Onerogen. Like uh, a hallucinogen is a drug that makes you hallucinate. And onerogen is a drug which causes reactions in dreams. 
Um, so first, L is going to interpret one of the dreams I had just kind of for myself. Like I asked a question, did it for myself. And then L is going to interpret a dream for a supporter of the show and my poetry coach, Chris Atkin. Uh, the thing I want to say is the reason that we're not going to be talking about the dreams that I had in response to these. It's because I didn't have any. I know. So the Onirogen did not work for L, but I had a blast. I yeah. had a great time. We did this, I think, was it three nights total and two nights? Like, we took one night off, but we did the dream drugs a lot. I did more than a anybody lot. else. Mostly because I was having the best results and it was a little more worth it for me. Um, yeah. Another thing that L was going to try to do was try to perform dream telepathy and enter my dream. Uh, so we're going to yeah. talk about potentially the success of that. Um, <laughs> the drug we took um, is a Mexican herb called Calea Zacatachichi. It is we brewed. We said this name so many times. Yeah. Zacatachichi. Zacatachichi. <laughs> um, it is brewed in a tea um, is how you traditionally take it. You can also smoke it, but you have to like smoke a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> it, it, it causes vivid prophetic dreams. It specifically, it assists with lucid dreaming so you can control your dream so that you dream about what, what question you want answered. And I would say that the weird thing when we've been trying to do this is that there's not really much about specifically having prophetic dreams. It's way more about lucid dreaming. So as we've been like doing any research about this drug and about, well, the herb, about everything, everyone's like, well, it didn't give me lucid dreams the whole night. So it's kind of – it's been an interesting yeah. – it's an interesting kind of world to be in, I think. I should also say that it's 100 percent legal except for in the state of Louisiana. Uh, but we're not in Louisiana, yeah. so it doesn't matter. And and it is non-habit forming. And I wrote <laughs> I wrote that it supposedly tastes awful. And I can fucking confirm that for you right now. It is butt ass nasty. We were like, so I'm um I'm really big into tea. Like I have like I have my tea kettle that's electric that brews to the correct temperature for whatever teas I'm drinking. I do I'm like so into tea. And the smell of it. It's like yummy. It's like peppery. Yeah, it smells and like, herby, a, like an earth. It smells herby. like our storyteller tea almost. Yeah, it really does. It for Tassio Mancy. Yeah, there's like sage notes in it. Like it, I was like, oh my God, people just can't handle their tea. It's not a thing. Like it doesn't actually taste bad. It's a bunch of white people who can't handle herbs. I was so fucking wrong. I was just wrong. It wrong. is it is the worst tasting beverage I've ever drank. I, it's the worst thing that I have ever tasted of anything. And I'm on um, migraine medications, and one of them is like a spray that they give you. And they intentionally flavor it to make it exceptionally bitter and really, really bad. And it is worse than that. And I know exactly what that tastes like because the chemical they use is called bitrix. And the idea is that you make medicines bitter so that people don't abuse them. Uh, or if you're doing research, which is uh, when I was working at the drug research uh, facility, you'd use it to blind the placebo. subjects and the placebo so they wouldn't be able to find a taste difference. It would just taste nasty. 
Yeah. And we used to put it in each other's coffee as a prank. Um. It's so – and, like, what I would have to – because I had, like, a spray, and so you'd spray it in your nose, and then it would, of course, go, like, down the back of your throat. So I had, like, a system because I get – I, like, have really bad migraine streaks, so it'll be, like, nine days in a row with a migraine. This drug, Zakatachichi, is literally – it the only thing it tastes like is something that humans should not fucking eat ever. So of course it's not habit forming because if you yeah. actually like this, you are a broken human. Yeah, you you uh you probably need to see a therapist. Yeah, there's something really the wrong here. Yeah. Um it is it is worse than Bitrix. It is worse than the most bitter thing scientists could make and still be ingestible. Um the thing that we have decided that it tastes like is hand sanitizer and dick and and dick and yes. butt and butt combined um it tastes like so it just is hand sanitizer you know like this is a very relevant thing for 2020 2021 of all of us you know like when you're like out shopping and you put on your hand sanitizer then you get fries and you're eating your fries and you're like yeah, you get that little hand sanitizer. Tastes like flavor. hand sanitizer. Yeah. But just imagine that over the entirety of your mouth, down it your just throat. Coats it. And then it just hangs on. Anywhere it's touched is infected forever. And you know what? I recorded audio of us trying <laughs> this for the first time. And I'm going to include some of it, but I definitely want to compile all the audio yeah. into a bonus episode that's just for Patreon supporters. It's. it's hilarious to hear us it do is, this. So it's probably it is, worth it. It is slapstick comedy. <laughs> it really is. Uh, anyway, it is not habit forming, can confirm. Yeah. It's and well, everything a lot of the stuff I found online was just of like hippie dream nerds going like, this is my review of Zakatachichi for lucid dreaming. But in truth, it is used for oneromancy by the Chantal people of Oaxaca, Mexico, for mm-hmm. dream divination. Uh, which is why I made sure that I got my Zaka Tachichi from uh, a. Who did you get it from? A, uh, I got it from the Herbal Mexican on Etsy. Um, I wanted to make sure that I got it like ethically sourced um, by the people who grow it, actually, yeah. and not from you know some love and light hippie witchcraft um, <laughs> place that mixes it with lavender or whatever. Um, I wanted I wanted the real deal. And I wanted to support, you know, small um, POC businesses. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) you'll find out how it went (laughs) at the end of uh, parts one and two of our episode on Oneromancy. going to start at the beginning. And while uh, we most certainly have been connecting dreams to magic and prophecy since before recorded history, the earliest recorded history of oneromancy and dream interpretation, this time not ancient Greece. This time 3100 BC in ancient Mesopotamia. The fucking cradle of the world. Uh, Ancient Mesopotamian kings were made keenly aware of the power of dreams, and they would pay very close attention to their own dreams and even keep dream journals for the purposes of divination. The Epic of Gilgamesh contains numerous prophetic dreams. 
Gilgamesh dreams twice about the arrival of Enkidu, his like little buddy. Um, and Enkidu dreams of their battle with the monstrous giant Humbaba. Beyond being prophetic, dreams were also considered a method of travel to the ancient Sumerians and Mesopotamians. It was believed that part of the soul left a sleeping person while they were dreaming. And the more you remembered, the more of your soul that left. And that part of your soul actually visited the persons and places that you saw in your dreams. Enkidu, for example, visits the underworld in his dreams. Hmm. Yeah, I think I want to save... Because I had um, an experience of this while we were testing Zakata Chichi. So I think I'll save that when we kind of break down that. But mm-hmm. I can say that this is, this is um, that belief definitely is something that still exists for us now. When I was doing my Akashic Record training, um, part of the conversation that we were having with our instructors was, well, what do you think dreams are and what does that have to do with your Akashic Records? Like, what does that mean and how does time work, right? Because everyone thinks like time exists in this way that humans understand it, but time is like just a fucking construct. It isn't real. Nothing is real. This is just... You know, we just have perceptions of things so we can understand our experiences, so then we can learn lessons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, in my training, they said that um, having deja vu was your soul, like, astral projecting around and, like, popping its head into different circumstances and being like, what's up here? And sometimes that would be what comes to pass. So then, therefore, you have the dream. You have the deja vu Hmm. of that moment. And so they're, like, talking about dreams being your soul exploring future potential and then sometimes that comes true and that's what deja vu is i personally think that deja vu is your mind uh misorganizing memories yeah so uh, i think that's what most scientists believe as well yeah that's like what they've studied it to believe is that it just gets put in the wrong spot when you're thinking about it mm-hmm. uh, there are also onirocritic texts oniro being uh, or onir being the greek word for dream um, just so we know. Uh, and oneirocritic texts are like dream books or like dream journals uh, or books of dream interpretation. Essentially, they're instructions for how to interpret a dream. And these still come out today. The oldest known oneirocritic manuscript that we have comes from pre-Hellenistic Egypt. And it's called the Ramesside Dream Book which is currently in the British Museum along with a bunch of other stolen shit. Um, a lot of it has like deteriorated with time. So we don't have the complete translation or the complete text, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, I really tried to find it. And now I keep getting spammed with uh, <laughs> articles from academia.com trying to get me to subscribe. Mm-hmm. So that's really unfortunate for me. Um, but the oldest complete text that we have, where we have like all of it, is the Onirocritica written by the Oniromancer Artemidorus in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty cool name. Um, yeah, I really, really like that name. I love that name. Yeah, Artemidorus is uh, better known to some as Ephesius. Oh, okay. And he was a professional diviner in ancient Greece. And perhaps not the most, like, ancient-y of ancient Greece. We're not talking, like, you know, Fall of Troy, Odysseus times, uh, Plato times. He was most active in 2nd century AD between the years 100 and 200. So more like Roman Empire times. Okay. Uh, When Ephesius practiced, he did all kinds of ancient Greek divination. He was kind of like... uh, 
really into like the more the more popular things uh, that really transferred well over to Greek culture, astrology, palomancy, was pendulums, and uh, he was best known though for oneromancy and dream interpretation. He was a scholar of it. He is noted as saying uh, dream interpretation is nothing other than the juxtaposition of similarities. To Ephesius, divination was highly complex and varied wildly from person to person. Yeah, I would agree. So, like, a lot of people were just like, ah, that's the bad star. It means bad things. And Ephesius was like, well, that depends. Are you a poor person? Because it could mean good things. But if you're a rich person, it could mean bad things. Do you have all your teeth? It could mean, you know. Well, this is why, like, okay, go buy the dream dictionary, but probably just pay a psychic if you're really curious. Because I don't know that, like, sweeping generalizations. Although there are dreams, like, it's very common. A stress dream is super common. That's your teeth fall out. That's mm-hmm. like a really, really common. A lot of people have had that dream. So there are dreams like that that are super common. Also, like during COVID, um, a lot of people were having dreams about invasions or about like home intruders. And it's because there's no way for people like your brains can't really represent the virus because it's a hidden or like it's a secret thing because it's too small to see. So then your brain will like copy those because I read an article about that maybe in June of 2020 that talked about a lot of people having those similar dreams. Yeah, the spike in weird dream activity because of COVID. mm -hmm. So they're just more reflecting that because your brain can't make sense of it. So I would say most of the time when you're interpreting things are going to be different for every single person you talk to but there are those like larger things that people are like, well, this is a thing that everyone is having because of this reason. So. Mm Uh, when interpreting dreams, Ephesius urged that secondary considerations be taken into account, such as the age of the dreamer, their social status, and the details of their life. Uh, he has a particularly not- notable passage about how the divination works uh, in the details. Uh, the divination is in the details. Hmm. In his book, The Onero Critica, um, the case of one's Uh, Sex with one's mother is both complex and manifold and admits many different interpretations, a thing not all dream interpreters have realized. The fact is that the mere act of intercourse itself is not enough to show what is portended, rather the manner of embraces, and the various positions of the bodies indicate different outcomes. So he was like... I'm going to need you to tell me the positions you are having sex with your mother in. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, interesting. You had a sex dream about your mother. I'm going to need to know um, some more details. Uh, positions. Can you describe? Was it aggressive? Would you just tell Daddy Ephesius what, what, what the, the, the fun little details I really are. hope none of you are listening. Who was on top? Who oh, was no. on top? No. Uh, <laughs> I just. Like, this think, is a very NSFW yeah, episode. we should put a disclaimer at the beginning. That's like, <laughs> well, I already check a box that says oh. this episode contains explicit material every time we upload one. <laughs> we interviewed for a podcast last week, and um, he was like, so what's y'all's podcast about? And I like looked at RJ, and I was like... The history of magic and the f- magic and the fucked up shit people have done with it, and he immediately goes, "Yeah, we don't swear on my podcast." And we're like, yeah. he, "Oh, we're in the wrong like, place." My mom, my mom <laughs> listens to this, and she will be so mad. And um, it's, I, <laughs> it, it was it was a good experience. It was the Common Tons, Tongues podcast. 
uh, and uh, go ahead and listen to that. Uh, you'll find that we have a lot more in common than uh, we uh, originally thought. No spoilers, though. Yeah, it was a fun podcast, but it was just it was really funny. It was <laughs> yeah. just a really funny moment where it, like, you know, when you swear and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, fuck, this person didn't want me to swear. Oh, fuck, I'm swearing again. Oh, fuck. Why can't I stop saying fuck? <laughs> anyway, I think this guy was like, I don't know, was it a fetish or was he actually wondering? I don't know. I don't like interpret people's sex positions. Maybe I should. Um, well, he goes on to list like with the different possessions, whether you're being like dominated or, or whatever, like what that all like means. Well, I guess... Maybe the nuance would be there, but I don't feel necessarily like you need to describe it to understand the nuance. You could just say, well, if you if it was aggressive, if you were being dominated, if you were the aggressor, like I you know, anyway, it doesn't Ephesus matter. Was all about details. I all there, about, that was his. Thing. You know, I know too much. People tell me so much, <laughs> so much stuff. I would rather not know. Uh, and, you know, I actually found a copy of the Oniro Critica so we can look up some potential dream meanings. Okay. Uh, he's broken it up into different symbols like body parts and what body parts mean. Like if somebody has a huge head, then you'd look under dreams about the head. Um, and uh, also so like where it says on being beheaded, uh, that may seem like it could only be bad. Right? You feel like. You had a dream where you were just beheaded. But actually, it could be a good thing depending on who you are. He says a dream of being beheaded is good for debtors because it means the loss of the debt. Uh, It's also good for criminals in danger of death possibly because getting executed in your dream absolves you of the need to be executed in real life. If that were how it actually worked, so many things I wouldn't have to deal with. So many things. Uh. So, oh no, it might not let me uh, look at Artemidoros's book. Oh no! I'm gonna I'm gonna pause real quick, and then I want to look up what bathrooms mean for you. Okay, yeah. All right, we're back. I looked up in the Oniro Critica of Artemidoros uh, what it means. To bathe or go into the hothouse, which is like the community bath. Yeah. Because they bath- didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have the concept of bathrooms we have today. Um, for to wash and bathe himself in baths and hothouses signifies riches and prosperity and health to the sick. But to wash and bathe himself contrary to the common use, as in in his clothes, is evil. And betokeneth sickness and great anger. Tis ill to a poor man if he be too courageous to wash himself, and if he have many which rub him, for it foretells a long sickness. In like sort it is evil to be the rich if he be alone, and have nobody to aid him in bathing. <laughs> In general, it is bad for all not to swear or to see the bath in an open place, or to find no water in it. In brief, it is ever ill when it is otherwise than custom, for it signifieth ill issue (laughs) of enterprises and affairs. To be washed with water naturally hot is a sign of health to the sick, of hindrance to the affairs of the whole." 
It is good to dream that you wash in fountains, ponds, and current waters, and in fair and clear floods. So it's written in Old English, like translated in the 1600s. So it's floods, but spelled F-L-O-U-D-S. Flouds. Flouds. But not to swim, for that were a sign of danger or sickness. So uh, riches and health, which is rich, riches and health. But if you come to the bathroom and you try to turn on the shower and there's no water, then uh, it means the opposite. I haven't had that. Like the dreams that I've had about bathrooms have been there was like this huge, huge, like giant shower room that was like if you've ever been to a spa, how they have like the just, a hot house if you're Artemidorus. Yes, if you're that. Um, <laughs> And one of my – I was in a sorority when I was in college, and one of my sorority sisters was there. And I was like, bruh, I want a shower. Can you leave? And she left, and it was fine. And then the other ones I've had, I have, like, this, like, dream shower that is in my brain that, like, is in my mom's house. It signifies me being in my mom's house. And then the other dream I had was there's just, like, these three beautiful bathrooms, and we were trying to decide which one we wanted, uh, which is great because I'm waiting on getting some – weird treatment for my migraines when you're getting Botox shots for my migraines. And so maybe that foretells it, yeah, good health. It, yeah, it says that if you are sick, it portends good health. Yeah, absolutely. And we went to the beach in my dream last night. So. Oh, uh, were, were you like swimming or? Not last night, but frequently a lot of my dreams have been me in the water. Like I went snorkeling in Africa in one of my dreams. Um I went to, like, Mexico, and I was swimming. I was trying to surf. I don't know. Because if you are – if you have to, like, aggressively swim, like if you're swimming to somewhere, uh, apparently that is a sign of great danger or sickness. But if you're bathing, which is, like, casually hanging out in the water. Yeah, it wasn't – there wasn't anything ever, like – I wasn't in danger, like, trying to get anywhere. It was just like, okay, get off the boat. Let's go snorkel. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of Artemidorus? Do you think he knows what he's talking about in – Century two, <laughs> year one hundred. I guess you can't see my face. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know that I would put like that much into our dreams. But I'm also not the person that's like drugging myself to have lucid dreams because I like to sleep when I sleep. I mean, you did do that. Um, it just yeah, didn't work. it didn't work. But that's. But I mean, like, could I have gone deeper and been like? Fuck it. We're going to – because people were like, Dominia, like what is – Dominia? What's the one that's um, – it's just straight up a fucking poison that people take in small enough doses. Oh, Wormwood? No. Well, that one as well. Someone else had like recommended – I'm in like a witchcraft group on Facebook and I was having troubles with my dreams. And so I was like, hey, does anyone know anything? And this girl straight up – let me find it – had said um, – Da, Damania, Damania, D-A-M-I-A-N-A is great for lucid dreaming. And that's just straight up a poison. <laughs> like, I know it's poisonous. So anyway, I'm not willing to, like, poison myself to have a dream. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if – I mean, I bet he was because, like, the Pythia in ancient Greece uh, – I don't know if they still had a Pythia in, like, ancient Rome times. Um, but they would straight up just, like, huff ether in caves to, like, to have, have, dreams. have hallucinations and dreams. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he is. I'm not sure. I don't feel like it's enough to like it it I feel like his his work though, the Onira Critica, really informs how like Onira Critic texts and Dream Books work today. Yeah, like I would say, I mean, do I think he's the GOAT? Well, I don't necessarily put a lot into dream interpretation as like a form of divination, nor do I use it to divine things. Um, I use dreams as a way to communicate with my guides, guardians, and angels. I use dreams as a way to like communicate and resolve issues that I have with people that are other humans. Like I do dream telepathy a lot. Um, I do telepathy with my guides. Like I do that. And that's fine. But I think if we just look at dreams alone, I don't know that there's enough there. Like, I think it's just your brain being like, there's some fucking bullshit. Let's think about it. Like, I think that's all dreams are. So I think if we're just talking about straight up dreams, I don't think that anyone is the goat at dreams. But yeah. I mean, the one of the other prevailing theories that scientists have is that dreams are just like mental junk being thrown yeah. into the garbage. That's what I mean is like it's just because it, if you think about your dreams, a lot of the times um, – I don't necessarily – the most meaningful dreams are the times when I've had, like, the most resolution from a dream. I don't really remember them because I just allow my higher self to kind of go and do her shit, resolve some stuff, and, like, come on back. And I just let my body rest. So it's, like, not a huge – I don't know. Maybe that's, like, really disappointing. Probably that's as disappointing as when my clients are like, what do you think about conspiracy theories? And I'm like, I don't know. People are dealing with some real shit. I'm just trying to fix some real shit, though. <laughs> um yeah. And like if you look at the Onuro Critica, it is extremely dated. Like he's got yeah. a whole section that's like dreaming of celebrities and it's like Han- <laughs> Hannibal of Carthage and Alexander the Great. Cleopatra. <laughs> yeah, Cleopatra, yeah. <laughs> so so like it is very, very dated. And then the translation is also extremely dated because he spells floods flouds. It's probably some fucking yeah. like monk who like barely learned how to read. Uh <laughs> trans Yeah, I mean I'm sure it really is like the basis of so much, but I don't know that we should be putting this much into our dreams. So, you know. Yeah. And that brings us to our extra spell. Brought to you by MentallyHealthyFit.org, a nonprofit organization dedicated to mental health awareness and mental health justice with an emphasis on marginalized communities. They're a 501c3 nonprofit, and they help produce a documentary called Welcome, which will air on PBS February 16th, 2020. I know that I have had sleep paralysis before. Uh, I have I have a very serious sleep disorder, and I've been on a number of sleep medications. I remember when I was on Ambien, and I would sleepwalk. Ambien fucked me up. Uh, one time, <laughs> I just woke up on the front lawn in my underwear, like I I fucking like werewolfed out and just like <laughs> looked at myself like, what have I done? <laughs> you know. Um, other times I would have sleep paralysis. I would just lie there in the dark, awake but unable to move. Every sound and shadow felt like it might be a person or a ghost. And if any of you have seen The Haunting of a Hill House, uh, sleep paralysis is a huge plot point. And you can see how absolutely terrifying sleep paralysis can be. Yeah. People who suffer sleep paralysis often report seeing demons, ghosts, shadow people, or even being abducted by aliens. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sleep paralysis is nothing new, though. 
uh, there's been reports of sleep paralysis dating back for centuries. In fact, what we call a nightmare was a word used specifically to describe sleep paralysis in Scandinavian and Germanic folklore. It is believed the phenomenon was caused by a supernatural demon known as a mare, M-A-R-E. And a mare was a cursed woman or witch who would leave her body at night and ride on the chests of sleeping victims as if they were a horse. And this would explain the difficult breathing or sleep apnea that people with sleep paralysis can sometimes experience. Like you're panicking, but you can't breathe the way you want to breathe. You can't make yourself breathe how you want to breathe. Uh, when you're in sleep paralysis, you begin gasping and your body just won't listen to you. And also sleep apnea was just as much of an issue as sleep paralysis. People would just stop breathing in their sleep. Yeah, well, sleep apnea causes you don't get enough oxygen. And so, yeah. They're like, ah, a mare killed them. Yeah. Another name for the nightmare is the night hag. The same legend, but the woman is specifically described as a hag. Those who had sleep paralysis or sleep apnea were described as being hag-written. Like, what's wrong with Jeremy? He looks like he needs a cup of coffee. He's a wreck. He's completely hag-ridden. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of cultures that feature the same version of the night hag. It's a cross-cultural phenomenon. In Czech culture, uh, the night hag is uh, symbolized as a night moth or a night butterfly. They believed that the sphinx moth or hawk moths were believed to have elf spirits, which would cause the sleep apnea. In Russia, the mare is called Mara, and she's a shadow woman who sits on your chest at night to brush her long black hair. In Thailand, they have Fiam, a spirit who sits on your chest at night uh, and can even like assault you and shake you and leave you with bruises. Do you want to know something wild? What? I was kind of telling RJ this. So I fucking love the podcast Let's Get Haunted. I am like... I just love it. I think Nat and Allie are hilarious. But Natalie just did, Natalia, just did an episode last week on the paranormal side of sleep paralysis. And she talked about how there are literally three kinds of sleep demons that people will see. And that is it over every single culture. So if you wanted like a deeper dive into this, you should go listen to that episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is, it's kind of creepy to hear about all this with sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. In Mongolian culture, they call sleep paralysis kardaraka, or kardarak, which means the darkness that presses. They believed that the darkness could get so thick sometimes that it would actually have weight and press on your chest. In Mexico, they call it subrise el muerto, the, a Ooh. dead person on you. It was no. believed that a wandering ghost would take a seat on your chest like you're a bench. <laughs> Just pop it as So yeah. the thing that makes me uncomfortable is like the varying ways I'm envisioning the hag to sit on people's chest. Like, does she sit like with one leg on each side? Does she sit like with legs crossed off to one side? I have many questions. Is she riding this. you like a horse? Riding your chest like a horse is straddling you. Okay. Well, that's, I have, like, that's, nothing that's my to brain. say to that. Yeah, that's I don't know. It's just oh, I think I pronounced the Spanish word wrong. It's sabirse el muerto. Okay. Um, yeah. 
uh, in Brazil, they call sleep paralysis, uh, their like sleep paralysis ghost, Pisaderia, and she, or she who steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, they describe a haunting shadow hag with red eyes who creeps onto roofs to eat. And then while you sleep and her stomach is full, she sits on you to digest and she weighs a whole bunch. Why? Why would she do that? I don't. Okay. She's a, a jerk, which I guess. It just is bizarre. And she's like a shadow person. Okay. Um, in more modern times, though, uh, we know what sleep paralysis is. It's an extreme form of lucid dreaming that can result from high stress or trauma. People with PTSD often have sleep paralysis. Your mind wakes, but your body isn't awake. Your brain hasn't connected the motor function to your body yet. So you're stuck between waking and sleep during disturbed REM sleep, and you can have a tendency to hallucinate. People who attempt to lucid dream can also end up with sleep paralysis. It's one of the risks of, you know, lucid dreaming. Oh, I was not informed of that when we were trying to have prophetic dreams. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't know until I wrote oh, that. Okay. And I wrote that after we first did, okay. did the – but I feel like from what I understand, you have to be one of those people that's like trying to have lucid dreams like all the time every day. Like, I feel like that would trigger it because that's the whole point is that you remember and your your mind is basically awake. But you still want to have that function basically disabled, which is what sleep paralysis is, is your brain like mm-hmm. turns off when you're dreaming. So you don't follow through with dreams, which is like sleepwalking can get fucked up with that. Um, yeah, it's literally the like the the part of your brain that unplugs your motor function yeah, so, that, like, so that you don't sleepwalk. But then the part that's like we're awake now. That's yeah. Mm hmm. Um, and having sleep paralysis can also be a chronic condition. There are studies which show that African Americans are predisposed to sleep paralysis, likely due to environmental factors. And by environmental factors, Stress. I mean systemic racism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and trauma, generational trauma, mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Still, while there is scientific evidence for what sleep paralysis is, many people still attribute it to shadow people. And what's bizarre is that there are three different shadow people that are described by people with sleep paralysis across cultures. What did I just like say? Like you were saying in the, the, in the Let's Get Haunted <laughs> okay, episode. Cool. I definitely did not devote as much time to that specific thing no, as they did. Theirs was like a two hour long episode yeah. on it. So like I said, we're, we're just licking the tip of the popsicle yeah. with all of this because uh, there is a lot. Um the the three demons that's re- that's a cross-cultural report uh, as a sleep paralysis. Paralysis uh, hallucination features one of these three, and they are the man with the hat, which looks like the Babadook, <laughs> the old hag, obviously the the night hag from folklore, mm-hmm. and the hooded figure. Mm-hmm. Looks like a like a grim reaper like hooded figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, methamphetamine users have reported seeing the same three shadow people you when they have gone say. several days without sleep. Like, like they've reported that shadow people are hunting them and they get paranoid wait, about the shadow wait, people. Wait, wait, People who use meth don't sleep? No. They tend what? to not sleep. They tend to be up for days at a time. What? And they might be, like, delusional and having hallucinations because they're detached from reality? Yep. I'm just... 
fucking with you. I know, I but that's so expected and but, really scary. But what's crazy is that it's the same three shadow people that people with sleep paralysis see. <clears throat> yeah, because it's collective unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, one theory is that the shadow people are guides to the afterlife, watching to see if you're going to die in your sleep. Another theory is that they are aliens or messengers for aliens like avatars uh, or extra dimensional beings who are monitoring us and maybe collecting uh, our dreams and collecting data on us in our sleep. Just like one wild conspiracy theory. All three of those sound pretty wild. I would say so when you cross over, I just want to like debunk that from my perspective. When you cross over, it isn't a bunch of like creepy grim reapers. It's like literally your grandparents and your friends who died before you that are with you as you transition. So you're not really having the fucking hag who ate too much food and has long black hair who's going to sit on your chest and be like, you ready to go now? Like that's not really <laughs> the thing that happens. Yeah, Caron doesn't show up with yeah. his boat paddle. No, I mean, like that spanks might, you into the afterlife. That might make it cool, but it's definitely not that scary. So I'm just going to, as a psychic and medium, go ahead and debunk, the, debunk that one right now. Wait. Debunked. Debunked. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Vegas. the science explanation is that they are just visual hallucinations brought on by the bizarre waking sleep uh, that occurs during sleep paralysis. And part of the visual hallucinations is that shadows appear to be moving. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we talk about hallucinations, everybody thinks like the Beatles' yellow submarine music video, like mm-hmm. flowers exploding. Like you see that trope in like animation and TV and stuff. But real hallucinations from people who have um, like psychotic disorders um, are things like the walls are breathing um, or like colors are moving or you can see colors like synesthesia is a form of hallucination. Um, That's more what it's like. So the idea that there would be shadows that move or shadows that appear to be in the shape of a person or a recognizable shape um, makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that – was the extra spell brought to you by mentalhealthyfit.org and the Welcome documentary. Welcome is centered around the concept of learning to welcome those with mental health issues as a benefit to our lives and even a benefit to society. Welcome aims to teach us more about how to welcome refugees and marginalized people as a benefit to us. It will premiere on PBS on February 16th, 2021. And there will be online screenings at wellbeings.org slash PBS Utah. Definitely check it out. Um, my friend Brian is is a filmmaker and a mental health advocate. And uh, I know it's going to be great. A lot of the people that I know are involved with this project, a lot of the artists I've worked with, my improv coach Calvin even uh, is involved with this project as well as local uh clown uh like the person who helped coach me on clowning uh madison uh is a part of it another local clown um johnny brandon uh is involved i don't know these people he's part of interdimensional clown collective i'm wondering if people who are listening to this will know if dear christopher in australia is like yes 
I'm ready. But also, for real, I'm very excited about this. And, like, RJ was like, I think, like, my friend wants to sponsor this. And I was like, what is it? Mental health? Ah, yeah. Obviously, you've heard RJ and I talk about our mental health struggles. And, like, being a psychic is extraordinarily difficult. And I feel like there's a lot of mental health challenges that I have to personally overcome just as a human that needs to exist, that understands so much more and how much worse things are. So mental health is a huge thing for me. It's a huge thing for my clients. Definitely support this project. Um, Watch it. Educate people. Educate yourself on mental health. If you're not really sure how it is and you just feel like all people with mental health issues are broken, then maybe this is a really great documentary documentary to watch to educate yourselves on. Yeah. So February 16th, mark your calendar. Uh, wellbeings.org slash PBS Utah. That's the day I get my Botox. Oh. So I can celebrate my Botox with a documentary. Yay! <laughs> Botox for migraines. We've spoken a bit about the history of oneromancy and dreams, and I have a bit more to share. First, I'd like to bring up the Japanese oneromancy tradition known as Hatsuyume. It is believed that the first dream you have in the new year will predict how your year will go. Uh, which is really cool, and I wish I had known uh, about that when the new year hit. Didn't we so talk about remember. that? Yeah, I, 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 I can't remember what my new year dream was. Was mine with a dress? Because I think we looked up what that meant. It yeah, like you, a prom you, you had one with a prom dress. I think it was... Oh, God, I can't remember. See, this is why, like, dreams to me are kind of insignificant. Because I'm like, sure, that's... Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, because your brain just deletes them. Yeah, I don't... There's a lot of things I have to remember. I don't think that my dreams are significant <laughs> ones. Your brain is just, like, defragging. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, uh, thing uh, that you particularly want to look for in a Hatsuyume dream, though, uh, the particularly lucky things to dream are of Mount Fuji, mm-hmm. eggplants, mm-hmm. or hawks. Mm-hmm. Mount Fuji is the highest mountain in Japan, and it's obviously like a big symbol for the country. Hawks are noble and strong and intelligent creatures. And then there's eggplants. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, has shaped some things in our current dialect, our visual right. imagery, that language that we have. And uh, it definitely isn't a metaphor for dicks. I mean, maybe it is. Um, <laughs> but the reason eggplants are in there is uh, because the word for eggplant, nasu, is a homonym for the word nasu, uh, which is sounds the same. Is, are they homophones? Because no, They're homonyms because they sound the same and are spelled the same. Yeah, that has to be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's a homonym for a word that means something great. And so the word for eggplant, nasu, and the word for to describe something great, nasu, are the same word. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. It's also, a pun. <laughs> I'm so glad that uh, you got to give an English lesson to our dear listeners. That's interesting. I, I'm yeah. serious. That's fun and cute, and I liked it. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I didn't know it was like for good things. I want to dream of more eggplants. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go on a tangent about homophones. So get ready to, I am to ready ring the with bowl. The bowl. Um, so in Utah, in Utah County specifically, and we're gonna talk about Utah County more in part two. Um, there, 
was a teacher who like an English teacher at like a private sort of high school that was teaching his students about homophones. And the principal got really mad and was like, we don't want you promoting homosexuality in our oh, school and promoting no. the gay agenda and <laughs> fired him so dumb. and fired him. And then that teacher appealed to his firing in court, explaining what homophones <laughs> are. Uh, this is a human probably with a master's in education yeah. who doesn't know what a fucking piece of language is. I mean, is. it is a private school, so maybe he has... Probably not. Probably. Maybe he has a degree in being rich. Uh, <laughs> he probably is like, I don't actually need fancy school. I just am taught by Jesus. Yeah. I mean, homophones are spelled homophone. Um, well, so yes, he, but... he read it and was like... How gay he, telephones well, how can't have he? that <laughs> <laughs> and uh none the, of those gay telephones in my institution the teacher won his a pill and you he, he was like i'm sorry do you want your job back and he was like fuck no no just, no, fuck you. just give me my severance yeah pay. i was gonna say he probably sued him for <laughs> some quite a bit of severance pay can you imagine someone being like i'm an actual idiot do you want to come back and work for me imagine being the judge who is just like looking at the guy like with the weight of a law degree and being like <laughs> You're a fucking moron. You couldn't have just googled it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you don't want to see. You don't want to see some. You don't want to accidentally pull up gay porn, uh, looking up something like homophobia. Well, he doesn't want to do it on accident. That doesn't mean he doesn't know where to find it. You know. <laughs> just saying, a lot of the things that are issues in Utah are from sexual repression. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's tangent. This is specifically to our listener on. Um, what was it? Podcast, Podcast addict. Podcast addict. Who liked the bell, the little bowl that we ding? This we, is for you. We appreciate you. Thank you for the review. If you're on Podcast Addict or Audible or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. And we'll probably be like, wow. We'll probably be like, wow, thanks and feel good about it. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to move on. Wait, I'm going to do it again. We had to clear both <laughs> yeah. digressions. Okay. In part two, we're going to discuss some of the more modern versions of Oniromancy. There's actually a whole culture surrounding dreaming. There's clubs and organizations dedicating to unlocking the secrets of dreams, lucid dreaming, and group dreaming. We're also going to talk more about dream telepathy and the bizarre phenomenon of dream survey posters that have appeared in Oregon and Utah and now Canada. Also, a thing Ontario. you can um, look at on Let's Get Hunted's podcast because yeah, they yeah. cover the Happy Valley Dream Survey. Yeah, so. they, they cover those dream surveys excellently. And that's yeah. where I first heard about them, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for now, though, let's do some Oniromancy. Ellen and I did some Kalea Zakatachichi, <laughs> a dream herb used in Oaxaca, Mexico for dream divination. It's brewed into a tea and drank to give prophetic dreams. I acquired some from the Etsy store for the Herbal Mexican. Definitely check them out. And uh, it was, at least for me, quite effective. Uh, The first time we tried it, I drank the tea and Elle smoked it because Elle could not palate the tea. Oh, it's so like I have among all of my other health issues. I just have like a very sad stomach all of the time. And I also have a very real fear of vomit. I don't like throwing up. And so literally RJ during the first consumption actually did vomit. I did vomit. (laughs) Actually did that. Um, And we were with our other roommate and – 
They the, just had to leave the, the room. Yeah, the they other just roommates had to, like, run. Yeah, they're, they're a party vomiter, so they had to go. <laughs> like, several times, like, three different times. Yeah. Trying to choke down this tea. Yeah, so I tried to smoke it. Um, I had tried to cut the flavor with copious amounts of honey, which people said would work. So much honey. So much honey. Still didn't work. I put, like, two huge heaping teaspoons full of honey from this, like, very special bee person in Wyoming that my family, like, obsesses over that's, like, this, like, best honey. I bought, like, a bunch of it for $25. And, we, and it was soiled by this it tea. Was, yeah, there, you couldn't even taste the honey. And then I mixed it with some other tea because I was like, well, I'm just going to cut the flavor with other, like, herbs. Didn't work. So I was like, I'm just going to smoke it. And you can, like, mix other herbs in when you're smoking it. So I was like, I'm just going to mix it with this tea because the tea I have is, like, a white tea that has, like, lavender and rose and peppermint and yummy flavors so i was like i'm just gonna cut it and it still tastes bad it still literally it infects everything it touches yeah like my hands the more you add to it the worse it gets the the worse it gets yeah because then you have to drink it multiplies it yeah (laughs) rj put apple juice in it literally i I, those mugs are huge those mugs are probably 16 ounces yeah i only have big coffee only have giant coffee mugs and there was only six ounces of the Kalea Zakatachichi tea. Because we followed the instructions. It was one tablespoon to six ounces of water. And, uh, yeah, I literally just, like, I need something to cut this with. And I poured in apple juice all the way to the top. So it was 10 ounces of apple juice and six probably, ounces of... Probably, no, probably by that time it was, like, four ounces left. Because you'd had, like, I had I, some. I had a sip and a gulp. Yeah, the uh, gulp was where it went bad. Yeah, the, I was just like, I'm just going to chug this. And that was when, like, after one gulp, the, my epiglottis closed. Like, my entire soul was like, we are rejecting <laughs> no. this. My epiglottis <laughs> closed, and it was like everything in my throat just, like, backed up and fell out. It wasn't like a vomit from my stomach. It was a vomit from, like, <laughs> my my glottal muscles just constricting just my throat, no. just my body rejecting it. Um, this is, RJ does not drink. He's a sober gopher. But if you do drink, then you know that one shot of, like, black velvet. It or really like bottom shelf tequila that you did when you were like 19 and it just automatically rejected itself as soon as it hit your throat. That's what happened to RJ. That's what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. However, the dreams I had that night, I did finish the mug of apple juice. Um, brave, tea. brave soul. Yeah. I did it for science. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess I did it for magic in this yeah. case. And boy, howdy. It worked. I had the best dreams I've ever had in my life. I literally, I woke up like it was Christmas morning. (laughs) Like I was in such a good mood. I woke up like I just got home from a trip from Disneyland. Like I just lived out like a whole blockbuster movie um, in my (laughs) dreams and I remember I was able to control it like a TV channel. So if I got bored of a dream, I'd switch to another newer, excitinger dream. That's just wild to me. Yeah, it was so much fun. And I barely remember it, uh, which is the, the problem. <laughs> yeah, RJ woke up and was like, I had a great night. <laughs> but I did end up remembering parts of it. And then I remembered even more of it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it really felt like I had just gone on a fabulous dream cruise. And Elle ended up uh, having trouble sleeping. Yeah, I so because I have 
medical things. I'm on a bunch of medications and I'm playing musical medications with all of my migraine stuff right now. And so it was like, what do you take? What do you not take? And I'm on the medical marijuana program in the state um, because of my migraines and because I had a gastric bypass. So I like the amount of things I can take that are painkillers are almost none. I also have insomnia because I have PTSD. And, you know, I'm just a psychic. So ghosts keep me up at night. So I like take a muscle relaxer, a sleeping pill, as well as medical marijuana to go to bed every single night. And then I typically sleep through the night. So it was like, don't take marijuana because it's going to interact and make it so you can't remember your dreams. And I was like, okay, dope. Like, I'm just going to not do that. And um, I had probably two sips of tea and I like had mixed the tea and the Zacatechichi into a bowl like into like a smoking bowl. And I probably, I smoked the whole thing. So I maybe had like half a bowl of the herb. And I just fucking laid in my bed until five o'clock in the morning and just thought about the fact that I couldn't sleep. And I was like, I really wish I could like take my other medication, my marijuana so I could sleep. But I was committed to science. And the only thing it made me was grumpy. So, you know, uh, I don't do well when yeah. I don't sleep. I'm such an asshole if I don't sleep. So that's a problem too. Yeah. And uh, I mean there were some effects other than the dreams. Like it was – It was very relaxing. Yeah. It was, it was like a relaxing sort of like body high mm-hmm. yeah. um, that, that, that happened was, that like made you kind of sleepy and well, relaxed. Well, that was the thing that made me so mad is that I was like – like we had like hung out, drank the tea. I was like I'm yeah, just going to smoke it. Because you were feeling it after yeah, you Yeah. I was it. like I'm ready to go to sleep. Like I'm going to crawl into bed. I'm just going to like – get in my zone, like play my little podcast that I listen to to sleep at night. And I just fucking laid there and hated how tired I was and that I couldn't sleep. So sucked for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell everybody to just do a whole bunch and do it every night because uh, there aren't a lot of studies on it. Well, so we don't know also, the toxicity limit. Yeah. And the other thing about it is that I don't – we – so both of us tried it. My boyfriend was enthralled and had to try it. Our roommate tried it. And I have to be honest and say that RJ had one experience with dreams one night that made him be like, it might be worth it. And the rest of the time, not worth it. Well, the other times I was really trying because I figured you were going to have the crazy prophetic dreams and Mm -hmm. I was just going to have a good time. Um, Yeah. But after it didn't work for you that first night, I was like, I really got to focus on like – being an O'Neronaut, yeah, like exploring the the dream world and doing the lucid dreaming thing to answer these questions uh, that I have, and uh, so yeah. it was it was definitely not as good of a time the other times I've did it. But if I were to just be like, yeah, fuck it, we're gonna have great dreams tonight. It's I it's close. Like... It's close to not being worth it because of how nasty it tastes. And I. I Kid you not, it is the worst thing. We were like shoveling peanut butter into our mouths and like eating I pickles and shit. Yeah, yeah, like there's not. I, and co- I, think... I couldn't taste the pickle. I couldn't even taste it. Well, so the thing is that I think is the main issue with Zaka Tachichi is that um, the flavor is a feeling in your mouth. Like it feels like tingling, burning. Like it feels like when your foot's really asleep. And then, like, someone smacks your foot to wake it up and it just hurts. That's what it tastes like in your mouth. And everywhere that it touches, like, your lips, like, after smoking it, the my lips were tingling. My tongue was tingling everywhere in my mouth, down my throat. It just was so bad. Ugh. 
I would not. I don't know. I feel like maybe I'd be willing to try it again when there's not like such like uh, intensity on it. And maybe when I'm done playing musical medications and I can kind of know what I'm doing, maybe I'll try it again. But I don't know that I'd recommend to like you random listener to try it. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to cut to the audio, uh, just some of the audio of us trying the tea. Okay. So you can hear our pain yes. just a little bit. I'm going to be compiling it all for a bonus episode later for Patreon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I am going to cut to the the things from my first night of dreaming. Okay. And the the question that I had that I was kind of dreaming about, hoping that L would like dream telepathy into my dream and give me the answer, um, was what would happen if I bought the fifteen hundred dollar gaming PC that I've had my eye on. So let me uh, retrieve this audio, upload it. L <laughs> and I will be listening to it again, just uh, laughing our Having little butts our off. Yeah, reliving it. All right, so I am recording the audio of this for posterity. This tea is the nastiest thing I think I've ever tasted. This tastes like the bittering agent we used to use in clinical research to mask the flavors of things. Maybe that's why it's not that bad. Oh. migraine for me. Oh my god, it's so bad. I'm like eating pickles. I've added like salt and lemon juice to try to cut this bitterness. So much honey. I've added so much honey. And I've been the fucking guinea pig. And now L is like adding a bunch of shit. Added extra tea. And oh my god. I put salt, extra tea, like actually two teaspoons of extra tea or two tablespoons i'm doing like two things of honey i can't even taste the pickle can you taste the pickle <laughs> this is gonna go on our page our, our, our roommate is just straight up shoveling peanut butter into their mouth uh <laughs> you think specter's gonna eat something like try the tea <laughs> your face looks so concerned <laughs> it's not <laughs> All the pickle flavor came right at once. <laughs> the peanut butter helped. Okay, I'm going to need some spoonfuls of peanut butter. <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can hardly taste it. <sighs> All right. Ah! It's going to be so bad with the lavender. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have smoked this. <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Fuck. How about we assess how it went, and then round two, when John can join, we smoke it. Oh my God. What the fuck? This is... Like everything I read was like, this is non-addictive. This is non-habit forming. And I'm like, yo, like this is about as addictive as like smashing your dick with a hammer. Where's the... Oh my God. Okay. This feels like a punishment. Yeah. Oh, I just threw up. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, fuck. 
I'm tasting it twice. Oh, fuck. Everybody ran away because I vomited. It was just a little bit, though. Just a little bit. I'm done. All right. All right. I think I've... I've got a new method. I'm going to dilute it with apple juice. I'm going to pour just like a whole bunch of apple juice in this. There you go. What's that? That's better. I can handle that. I can handle that. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Fuck. It just tastes like apple cider vinegar now. That's better than that shit. Yeah, apple, I would literally do like a mug of apple cider vinegar before I did a full mug of that. Oh my fucking god. Alright, I'm gonna have All a right. taste of mine. Your turn. <laughs> Your face, RJ, Dan. Oh my god. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. <laughs> I put in mine two huge heaping spoonfuls of honey. Two heaping tablespoons of a white rose tea, one tablespoon of that other tea, and salt. <laughs> How is it? It's really bad. <laughs> Can I try yours? It's really bad. <laughs> Magic is hard. Oh my god, I think that's worse than mine. It's bad. The apple juice, honestly. Cutting it with apple juice was the move. Get that shit out John, of get the fucking milk out of here. No milk. I'm not giving it to you guys. I'm using it for my hot chocolate. Oh my god. It makes it not as bad, but it does last longer. So it's a trade-off. I really might not be able to get this down. Like for You're going to have to fucking smoke it then. <laughs> that might be what you have to do. Yeah, because I don't think that's going to... I have an incredibly sensitive stomach, and I don't think that's going to go down or stay down. <laughs> All right. Fuck me. Yeah, I guess, I guess you smoke it, and I'll drink it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just the worst. That is not butt ass nasty. That goes because <laughs> beyond butt ass nasty. Like I was like, there's no way, but I don't know how you would else describe. You that you've got to be committed to being like a fucking like prophet. <laughs> you drink this. There's a lot of shit I'm not willing to do. <laughs> okay. All right, so we're outside. L is smoking. Is it still butt ass nasty? Mm. It has that same weird like tingle on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, which I've only ever felt from that one hot sauce. Yeah, this flavor fucking attacks you. This is the worst flavor of all time. <laughs> uh, L just made a yucky face. <laughs> I want to make a joke about like. Uh, bunk weed. Yeah. Is this is this what uh 
<laughs> what the teenagers in Cottonwood Heights get sold. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> They're like, bro, I got so high, man. I know this is this so shit. Fucking high. I don't even I don't even know if a drug dealer would would try to pass this off as as weed. There's no way. Um, apparently, it is illegal in Louisiana. What? Yeah, just in Louisiana though. Did you research why? Um, because it alters your mental state. Um, even though you're asleep and dreaming, it, they still count it. Uh, oh, oh, that was a gross burp. <laughs> I'm immediately concerned. <laughs> no, when I threw up a, b- a bit ago, it was like that the, the awful taste plus vomit, <laughs> and it literally tastes better than vomit. <laughs> Or worse than vomit. It tastes worse than vomit. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, <laughs> yeah, is it getting no, grody? Like it. Is it getting grody? Oh my god! It, it just smells like you picked up some like some dirt off the ground and you're smoking it. That's what it smells like. I think that's it for this bowl. Should we just do like one and see how it goes? I guess. I mean, the effects of one tablespoon's worth of tea is supposed to be active for two nights. Oh, I'm like a little... You're feeling it? I'm a little woozy. Yeah. Are you woozy? Uh, Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay. And I haven't even... I guess I don't know how much of it I drank because I diluted it with like a, a whole mug of apple juice. Um, but yeah, I was feeling a little bit like, okay, <laughs> this is drugs in there. All right. So that was our experience consuming it. <laughs> and uh, I, now I'm going to play the, the what I could recall uh, of the dream I had. And I recorded my dreams for like the last like three or four nights. Um, so I'm going to separate out the parts of those dreams that are for Chris. Chris's reading, which yeah. we're going to do in part one. And then for just my dreams and what they mean for me and the gaming PC I'm lusting after is going to be in part two. So here's, here's my initial take on my dream adventure after first trying Kalea Zakatachichi. Okay. I'm recording this in hopes that I remember most of what I dreamed because I can definitely tell I went on a dream adventure. Um, yeah, there were parts of my dream where I had one of those giant fucking Disneyland mansions that cost like $4 million. Um, but... I don't remember doing anything in that Disneyland mansion. Um, there was some sort of space epic that happened. I don't remember the details. Um, yeah, oh my god, it's leaving my brain. It's leaving my brain so fast. Um... Oh, man. Fuck. I don't remember. 
I just remember that it was a goddamn time. It was like eight dreams at once. So that was just my first impression after the first night of dreaming. We're going to go into more details about those dreams because I ended up remembering some of it and I wrote it down and that'll be in part two. Uh, but in the other nights of dreaming, I did more of the of the Zaka Tachichi. Um, we took it as like shots. We did like a hyper concentrated yeah, version. We did it. So as I was reading the next morning, because I was just pissed off that all I got was no sleep. Um, there was like one person who was broken, who was like, I actually like the way that this tea tastes, which I find impossible to I don't trust them for anything. Yeah, but she said doing... um, So what we initially did was, because I know herbs well, and when you're doing like herbal teas, like brewing herbal teas, typically you boil them, you put them in boiling water for five minutes, and that's like a normal amount. So, and there were no fucking instructions on what you were supposed to do. So I was like, man, good enough. So we did it that way. The next morning I woke up and I was like, there has to be more information about how we can do this. Right. And we had decided there was no way we could, like, consume an entire mug of it again. And I was like, I think this is unnecessary because all you need to do is get it into your body. Right? Yeah. So um, found some woman online who said that she actually likes the flavor of it. A broken human. I'm so sorry, ma'am, for how – however you've been hurt in so many ways. I'm sure there's been a lot of ways. Um, but she said 170-degree water – for 20 minutes. So I was like, all right, 170 degree water. We're going to put many, many, many tablespoons into the tea. So I think we did probably about, I would say, we did maybe it was six. six ounces. Well, no, how many ounces of water do you think? Oh, how, six? how many ounces of water? Yeah, I think six and then probably divided up less. Yeah. three ounces between us in shots with six tablespoons of crushed up Zakatachichi. Yeah, so yeah, and we let it hyper brew for concentrated. Minutes. So we just did like uber concentrated. After we brewed it, I put it in the fridge so it was cold enough for us to shoot. And then uh, our friend was like chilling and he was like, oh, you guys should use peace tea. Right? Yeah, snowberry. Snowberry peace tea to help chase it. So then we did the like, I had to like teach RJ how you do the shot, which is like you take a bit of the chaser first, you shoot it really quick, and then you just pound the chaser. As well, we made toast. RJ had yeah. toast with butter and jam. I had toast with butter and honey on it. And so then that was our method for the next night was like more concentrated. So you had like more of the herb. And then we did shots of it, so it was easier to get down. And the bread actually did the thing. Like, I feel like that cut the flavor. I could only do one shot because of the amount of things you have to consume to make it okay to consume it. And my stomach is incredibly small, so I could only do one shot. And I did two shots. Yeah, so RJ did two shots. I did one shot. Uh, We went to bed. I had nothing. No thing. All I had was more insomnia, which made me more mad. And I was like, I don't know if Elle's going to be able to come through. So I'm going to deep meditate on Chris and Chris's question to try and give Elle something to interpret. <laughs> and uh, there, I, at 7 a.m., because I know I have a REM cycle between 6 and 7 at 7 a.m., I'm like, know that I've been lucid dreaming all night having another dream adventure, and I really want to stay. 
I really want all the like dream creatures are like, no, stay with us. And I'm like, I can't. I have to go. I have to interpret this dream. I have to remember because I was really mad that I couldn't remember my dream. Yeah. Uh, So I woke up at 7 a.m. just to record my dream babbling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and by the way, I was so mad because I didn't sleep all night. And then RJ woke me up at 8 and then woke me up again at noon because I didn't sleep at fucking all. It was very upsetting. With my sleep disorder, I cannot go back to bed after waking up ever, ever. Uh, So... Yeah, here's some of my dream babble. And if you want to hear the audio of the uh, third time that uh, we tried, that's going to be in part two. Yeah. Um, as well as a little more dream babble and the details that I remembered from my first dream. And I'll give my experience that I had with it because something did happen the last time we did it. Like the last night I did have some stuff. I should say that on our third try, I hyper-focused on lucid dreaming about Chris. So the first sections are going to be dream babble, and then the last one is going to be a lot more specific about my dream about Chris, because I got better at lucid dreaming and better at remembering as Mm -hmm. I practiced. Real quick, I'm going to read Chris's question that he asked us to dream about. He said, I've felt really pushed towards a loose acquaintance for about a year. Is there something to that feeling, or do I just want there to be? So Chris is asking if he's uh, if he thinks that there is something to this relationship, or if he's got the motivated reasoning fallacy, which we mentioned at the beginning. Preparing for a first date, but like... With magic. And like. The steak for dinner is magic. There's a sword and a stone. And it's like in there really deep. But like I fucking pulled it out. And people were offended that I did it. But they can suck a dick. I fucking did it. I fucking pulled that shit out. Chris is doing a wobbly dance like the highwayman from over the garden wall. And then he rides away on a cow. And for some reason, I'm reminded to like stretch and shit. I think my dreams just tried to answer Chris's question when I was trying to fucking lucid dream about it. Because, like, I kept trying to dream about Chris's question, but Chris just kept being, like, the main character in an 80s movie, like... Like an 80s teen comedy, like like a John Cusack movie, like... Um, better off dead or I don't know something like license to drive keep having 80s music in my head and Van Halen and shit and like get out of my dreams get into my car and then there's like the scene in better off dead with the Van Halen hamburgers anyway I think that might answer Chris's question 
All right, L. Um, now I had that dream the night before last. Um, that that last section, the night before last, and I was like, I think in order to interpret this, we have to watch Better Off Dead. Well, so <laughs> would you like to tell the listeners what Chris's question was? So I did. They know what I, I actually I actually did earlier oh, while okay. you were in the bathroom. Okay. So don't worry. Great. Cool. I got it. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So a few things. One. Um, the final night that we tried the Zakatachichi when I just smoked it, I just like straight up smoked two bowls. It's like, I'm going to go to bed. So I was like laying in my bed and RJ and I's rooms are not connected, but they're like right next to each other. Yeah. So and the wall, the acoustics in our house are such that <laughs> you could just hear everyone do everything. The acoustics are bizarre. Like there's a reason we don't record at that house. Yeah. It's very like I can hear people. Well, RJ just has a loud voice, but I can hear, like, RJ down, like, in the living room having a conversation or in the kitchen on the phone or, like, watching TV or something, like, up in my bedroom. And if you're in the basement, I can hear it through the vent. Like, we can hear each other. Like, if one person's in the basement and I'm on the top floor of the house, we can hear each other. Anyway, so I was, like, laying in bed and um, trying to sleep, trying my damnedest to sleep. And then I just hear RJ, like... Singing or talking, and I'm just like, this is like three thirty in the morning. Yeah, it was. I think I sent the text like three thirty three, and I was like, because I was like, what the fuck? Like, am I hallucinating this? So I woke up a little bit more, and it was like definitely RJ saying something, and I was like, who who would he be talking to? He doesn't just sit around and talk to himself. So I texted him, and I was like, this is just, just are you are you singing? Or something and he was he was like yeah I woke up with a song in my heart I had to, I had to <laughs> let it out so he was singing in his sleep an 80s song yeah I was recording Chris's Chris's reading uh, <laughs> like right before Elle texted yes so um, that was the first thing that was really funny um, then we did watch Better Off Dead which if you've never seen it which I had never seen it until last night and it's very very difficult to actually find like uh, we went to the like back Owls of the internet, and it was like just an absolutely like hamburgered. Uh, yeah, the resolution like, was bad. Potato. Like I own it on VHS, and I ordered it on Blu-ray because I couldn't find my DVD. But it, it's definitely worth the five dollars to order a DVD from yeah. Amazon to yeah. watch it. Yeah, um, it's just really absurd and really good and just hilarious. And Very like the hilarious. commitment to like the absurdity in it is really great. But basically, like the the plot of Better Off Dead is it's like this kid who's absolutely obsessed with his girlfriend, and it's absurdity, right? So he's like. He has every single space on his wall has a picture of his girlfriend. All of his hangers have, like, her head coming out of them and her, like, neck. Uh, so it's just, like, really, really absurd. But the the point is that the girlfriend breaks up with him for the other guy who's a better skier than John Cusack yeah, is. Yeah, he's, like, the high school bully jock, but he's, like, a highfalutin skier. skier. Yeah, he's a skier. And, um... Yeah, that it's like this guy like trying to win her back and eventually he doesn't he could win her back but chooses not to because yeah. he's gonna go with the and French the, girl. The running motif is that he keeps trying to hilariously kill himself and fail mm. uh because he is like, Oh, I can't live without her. Um and I also believe it has one of the best quotes in cinema history that you have to watch to understand. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah. yeah. 
It's really, really good. You guys should definitely watch it. But so basically the idea of Better Off Dead is that he's trying to force this relationship when a different one is coming along that's better. And that is often the theme in 80s movies. Um, And so I feel like a big part of this is um, Chris won with the wobbledy dance and riding off on the cow. Um, I'm the highway man. So I think I think that we should allow uh, RJ to really interpret this via things that he has said to me about the dreams and his feelings about them, which is one with the I am reminded to stretch. That's so often how things like come through. You're like, I don't know where the fuck this came from, but I guess this is a thing. So, Chris, you got to stretch, man. Like you got to start. Uh, it's like you need to like stretch and like not neglect that part of like your physical routine of like making sure that you're doing like recovery activities as well as like exercise activities. So making sure that you're stretching, doing that kind of stuff that comes to you from your psychic RJ Walker. Um, (laughs) And then the other part of this would be, so RJ, when he was like, I think I have an answer to the dream or to the question, he dreamt it, which is basically like not forcing relationships, like being open to the things that are developing naturally. And me, like intuitively, obviously didn't have these dreams, but intuitively, what I think is that you are drawn to her for a reason, but that that needs to develop naturally over time and you probably have a soul contract with them um and that just needs space to develop and you never know what things can come out of a soul contract so rj walker your psychic um says that your answer is to not push relationships not to like try to force them into something and that you need to be doing recovery methods along with other physical activities yeah and uh, I don't know what riding away on a cow means, um, but it looked like fun. Well, so cows are about fertility. Cows are like the ultimate mothers and they take a long time to digest things. Like there's a lot of like digestion, digestive stuff that happens with cows because two stomachs. So it's like sitting on things, making choices about things, like being open to things, taking more time than you think they're going to take to kind of come into focus, which is something I know you're frustrated about that we've talked about before, Chris, but is something that still stands. So like using that kind of balance of like stretching, recovering, taking care of your body. And I keep going back to the word recovering because I feel like you're in a phase of like recovery from so many things that have happened to you in the past and just processing things and moving through things. Things. Um, and something that people may not know, but our bodies actually hold on to weight and hold on to memories. So when you're losing weight or when you're going through like intensive processes of healing with your body, you're reinteracting with all of the trauma that you've stored there. And basically your fat builds a body or like builds a physical barrier against the rest of the world. So as that barrier begins to break down, you have to take time to process things and recover from them and go on like your trauma recovery. So Take time to digest and do your recovery stuff and be open to the things that can come because you don't know what could happen. But trying to force things will lead you to trying to ski down a mountain on one ski with the kid chasing after you for two dollars. Two dollars. <laughs> Cash. Which is if you've seen Better Off Dead, that's for you. <laughs> I cannot recommend the movie enough. It's one of my favorite I movies. I was like, eh, I don't know. And RJ's like, well, it's kind of like Superstar, which is like, I can quote, I quote that movie. Like whenever I watch it, I just say every single line because every line is genius. It's so funny and so cringy. And Better Off Dead just has this like 
dreamlike absurdity where there's like this one scene in the classroom where these kids have these like hilariously oversized like writing things like this one person just has like one of those scissor lifts with like a bunch of leaves of paper yeah, and, and one kid has a laser printer in a yeah, briefcase <laughs> like it's just I mean just in everything like there's such a commitment to the absurdity from it there's like this suspension of disbelief that only like would really happen in your dreams where it's all normal but there's something so off about it Anyway. Yeah. Uh, strongly recommend. Yes. Uh, if you would like to <laughs> hear the whole entire adventure of uh, us drinking the Zakatachichi and smoking it, and like, <laughs> if you want the uncut version, I'm going to be doing that as just a bonus episode on our Patreon. Uh, so, in, for all subscriber levels. I was going to say, yeah, is there, okay. So, yeah. I think we have a. Th- Two dollar or three dollar one? Yeah. So you can get it even if you do that, and it's just a monthly donation to us. Yeah, and that uh, that really helps the show. And I'm still doing bullshit tarot readings uh, on TikTok and Venmo. If you donate any amount to at Dollar Compliments on Venmo, I'll pull a tarot card, explain what it is badly and inaccurately, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, yeah, just give you a bunch of BS. Um, it's I, I am having a good time doing it. Uh, let me know if I'm a good psychic. Uh, I don't think I am. Um, what is your Venmo so I can send money to it's you? It's at Dollar Compliments on Venmo. Perfect. Um, do we want to shout out our people who donated uh, since the last episode? Yeah. Uh, so thanks ho- a whole bunch to Chelsea, uh, who drew the... Uh, Two, two, of two of Pentacles, who is a medieval flow artist who uh, dances to sick beats. Uh, shout out to Enin, uh, who drew a scary horse guy who just rolls into town and fucks shit up. Uh, shout out to uh, Jana, who drew um, the stick knight. Uh, oh, yeah, I couldn't remember. Gives people uh, a the, beat down. the shaft. Well, it gives them the shaft. So if, you're, if you have plans to, like, Betray somebody, now is the time. And um, I have heard nothing but positives <laughs> from the readings that RJ has given, despite the amount of swear words involved in them. <laughs> they're very, they're full of many swear words and inappropriate uh, commentary. So, yeah, definitely, if you don't want to do monthly donations, but you wanted to help us a little bit, you can donate to the Venmo literally any amount of money. You could give us 69 cents. You'd be like, dope, 69 cents. Yeah, and I'd pull a, a card for you and describe it badly. Yeah. So you can support us there. You can join our Patreon, become a Stancy for $10 a month and get access to, I don't know, one of our Stancies was like, do we get to hear the NSFW dreams that you guys had during this? And That's going to be in part two. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you like my writing and poetry, you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com. You can order readings from me on my Etsy, which is Laurels of Lux, or you can find me on Twitter at Laurels of Lux. I've been seriously slacking on my Twitter, but I have been dealing with a metric shit ton of shit from life this year so far. So I will get back to that, but definitely you can follow me on there. You can shoot me messages on there. You can hit me up on Etsy, and I'm more than happy to help with anything y'all need. The music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Folker, Arthi Vinka. Me, you, and Scott Buckley.